It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good Friday afternoon, and thanks for checking in. The shoveling and the shivering has returned to New York and Pennsylvania. Those lake belts could pick up a half foot of snow today, most of it along the Chautauqua Ridge in western New York, places like Dunkirk. Well, not everyone will get in on the snow action. All of us will feel that cold like a rock. Those temperatures will drop. Some of us will dip into the teens tonight. Kevin. Williams has more in that weekend forecast on the way. More than 30 tornadoes have torn up the deep south. At least seven are dead. Weather watcher Janice Dean says when you survey the damage, all you see is complete catastrophic devastation. The twisters demolished a daycare in Selma, Alabama. Hundreds of homes gone. Some of these areas will be leveled. Uh, We had just some of the strongest tornadoes for January ever recorded. This Mississippi man feels fortunate just to be alive. I think I was blessed with enough sense to get out of here before the tornado hit. I've lost everything that I own, but other than that, I've got my life and I'm in good health. The tornadoes were birthed from the same storm system that inundated California with record rain. A special counsel is now looking at those classified documents found at three locations connected to President Biden. Trump appointed U.S. Attorney Robert Herr will lead the probe. Greg Jarrett with Fox News. It's a crime to remove and store classified documents. It's concerning to me not one, not two, but three locations. That suggests knowledge and intent on the part of Biden. The Biden papers were found just days before the 2022 midterms, and many want to know why it took two months to disclose them. Legal experts. Expert Paul Kamenaire. The House of Representatives need to have a full investigation, but we have to follow the money. And the money here is from China. The secret papers were found at a private office in Washington, D.C. and at the president's home in Wilmington, Delaware. An abortion survivor is calling out opposition to the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, which passed the House on a partisan vote this week. Only one Democrat supported that measure. Sarah Zagorski survived an abortion 33 years ago. I was delivered by an infamous New Orleans abortionist in 1990 and he delivered me at 26 and a half weeks breach and when I was born I wasn't breathing he then advised my mother to let me die on the table thankfully she resisted his coercive efforts Sogorski says it took the threat of a lawsuit to save her life she applauds efforts to protect babies who survive botched abortions women should never be in a situation where they have to fight coercive abortion positions in the abortion industry and this bill will protect women and it'll also protect babies like myself the born alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act was called extreme this week by former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The one Democrat who supported it was Texas Congressman Henry Cuellar. The suspect in the murders of those four college students in Idaho has waived his right to a speedy trial. The judge in the case has set June 26th as the accused killer's next court date. An attorney for the victim says... That's six months out. It seems like quite a ways out. Family's a little surprised. 
surprised it's been delayed so long. The judge is giving Brian Koberger's attorney six months to mount a defense. The defendant could get the death penalty if convicted. The one and only child of the king of rock and roll has died. Well, it's the one for the money. Lisa Marie Presley, the daughter of Elvis Presley, found unresponsive in her California home yesterday. She was 54. Country music legend and family friend Larry Gatlin. She was very sweet. Uh, I loved and, and respected her father. It's tragic when anyone passes away, but especially uh, in the prime of life. Doctors say Presley suffered a heart attack three years ago. Her son committed suicide. Todd Pyro of Fox News. Lisa Marie lost her son. Now Priscilla loses Lisa Marie. You never want to outlive your children. And this is just part of a sad Presley legacy of dying young. Elvis Presley was just 42 when he died in 1977. Much more ahead on this Friday edition of the Noon Report. The mystery deepens in Elmira, cracking down on sticker shops and playoff weekend in the NFL. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. Well, lo and behold, a little winter has returned to our region today. I'll be back with the weekend forecast coming up in just a few moments. All right, it is winter after all. Thank you very much, Kevin Williams. And perhaps you've noticed, though, the days are getting longer. Have you ever wondered how much longer they get each day after the winter solstice? Well, we have some information for you. The winter solstice, of course, the shortest day of the year. That was December 21st. Experts say the amount of daylight increases by two minutes per day during the month of January and three minutes per day during the month of February. That will increase, of course, until we get to the summer solstice, which is Wednesday, June 23rd this year, the longest day of the year. Mums the word in El New York City leaders there refusing to say why the police chief Anthony Alvarez is no longer on the job. City manager Michael Collins was asked by WETM television to comment. What do you want the community to know about why Mr. Alvarez is no longer the police chief? At this time I am unable to comment. Why is that? I, I just cannot make a comment in regards to that. Was he terminated or did he resign? His employment ended. Alvarez says ultimately his beliefs are what cost him his job. He says he was not willing to compromise his principles or ethics, and that's why he's no longer on the force. Alvarez was with the Elmira Police Department for 27 years. The Buffalo Bills and the New York Giants both in action this weekend in the opening round of the NFL playoffs. It is wild card weekend. The Bills host the Miami Dolphins at home on Sunday, 1 p.m. start time on on CBS, and the Giants will be traveling to Minnesota to play the Vikings on Fox. Kickoff for that one set for 4.30 on Sunday. A new poll shows just how evenly divided we are as Americans when it comes to our political allegiance. Correspondent Rory O'Neill takes a closer look. The latest survey by Gallup finds 45% of adults identify as Republican. Meanwhile, 44% say they're Democrats. The numbers haven't been this close since 2011. Gallup also points out 41% of Americans call themselves independent, a record high. I'm Rory O'Neill. All right, Rory, thank you for that. Tom Wolf has set the record for the most gubernatorial pardons ever in Pennsylvania. He granted 2,500 and 
40 in his eight years in office, and that's more than a thousand more than the previous record holder, former Governor Ed Rendell. New study out today seems to contradict the negatives of excessive gaming. Family Life's Brian Query. A recent study by doctors from the Cleveland Clinic Children's Hospital has shown that children who play video games for three hours a day or more seem to have better impulse control and memory compared to children who did not play video games. The information seems to counter most other studies, which have shown that too much video gaming or too many encounters with screens is not necessarily good. Brian Query, Family Life News. Very interesting. Thank you, Brian. A 43-year-old man was stabbed to death yesterday at a convenience store in Syracuse, New York. The victim was found at the stop-in shop on Onondaga Avenue and later pronounced at Upstate University Hospital. New York lawmakers are pumping the brakes on Governor Hochul's proposed changes to the state's bail reform laws. Family Life's Jeremy Miller has the very latest. Hochul made clear in her State of the State address that she wants to make new changes to bail reform after her too-close-for-comfort election win. Now, she wants to negotiate those changes as part of the budget that's due at the end of March. She has much more leverage in the budget because lawmakers have to consider the budget bill as a whole as opposed to standalone legislation. But Democrats need to be convinced to make changes to a bill they are hesitant to readdress. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. All right, thank you, Jeremy. Governor Hochul is also taking heat from the restaurant industry for proposing a statewide ban on new gas appliances and furnaces by the year 2030. Is there sufficient capacity in the grid to support all of these new electric appliances? That's Melissa Flyshoot with the New York State Restaurant Association, and she's heard from many in the restaurant industry who say the gas ban is a bad idea. How reliable is it going to be? How much is it going to change my cooking time, for example? Some just flat out say it can't can't be done. Governor Hochul announced the proposal during Tuesday's State of the State address. She says banning gas appliances will help New York meet its climate change goals. New York State Senator Tom O'Mara is calling on the governor to crack down on sticker stores that gift customers with marijuana whenever they purchase merchandise from those pot shops. There's no criminal penalties for them doing this. Whereas if they were selling alcohol, beer, tobacco, there would be. The sticker shops sell marijuana edibles, too, that look very much like candy, and that is attracting underage buyers. Many times they're attracting children. O'Mara says the sticker stores are contributing to a rise in criminal behavior. Now with marijuana being legal, people are walking around the sidewalks smoking. You can't do that legally with an open container. The senator was joined by district attorneys and law enforcement personnel in Watkins Glen yesterday, urging the governor to shut down illegal sticker stores. Four Oswego, New York high school students have been arrested for allegedly attacking a school resource officer. The students accused of striking that cop and trying to remove his weapon and pepper spray. Two missing brothers were found dead in a Luzerne County Reservoir yesterday. 67-year-old Daniel Fisk and 56-year-old Chris Fisk found in the Pikes Creek 
Reservoir. Both men were in the water with fishing poles. The brothers were reported missing Monday evening. In the centuries since William Penn founded Pennsylvania, way back in 1681 it was, the Commonwealth has never had an official state rock. But that could be changing. Here's Family Life's Terry Diener. Republican State Representative Doyle Hefley of Carbon County is poised to introduce legislation that would designate anthracite, or hard coal, as Pennsylvania's official rock. The designation of anthracite as the official state rock was suggested by one of Hefley's constituents. Terry Diener, Family Life News. All right, why not a state rock? Thank you very much, Terry. Let's pause next, get you caught up on sports. You're listening to the Noon Report, a Friday edition on Family Life. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, to say the stars were stunned by the Rangers last night might be an understatement. At the Garden, the Blue Shirts tie the game with less than one second to play in regulation as Condre Miller found the back of the net. The game went into overtime, and a minute later, Adam Fox found the back of the net. Game over. 2-1 New York over Dallas. Stars thought they were going to celebrate a 1-0 win, and a minute later, they're skating off the ice losers. In Elmont, the Islanders did not fare as well. They took a 1-0 lead in the third, but Minnesota scored three times to send New York to their fourth straight loss, 3-1. In Buffalo, the Sabres took a 2-2 tie into the final period, but it was the Winnipeg Jets who lit the lamp twice to pull away for a 4-2 win. Other winners on the ice, Seattle, Carolina, Detroit, Montreal, the Lightning, Flames, Blackhawks, Senators, and Golden Knights. On to the NBA, the Boston Celtics showed why they are the top of the class in the Eastern Conference. They beat Brooklyn 109-98, the Seas outscoring the Nets by nine points in the fourth quarter to pull out the victory. In Los Angeles, Luka Doncic knocked down a tying three-pointer at the end of regulation. Then he did it again at the end of the first overtime period. And then the Mavericks won the game in the second overtime, 119-115 over the Lakers. Doncic had his 56th career triple-double, 35 points, 14 boards, and 13 assists. The Thunder beat Philly 133-114. Miami, Toronto, and Cleveland also victorious. That is a look at sports. All right, Randy, man, have yourself a wonderful weekend. Still to come on the Noon Report for a Friday, the Capital Connection crew sounding off on all that's happening in Albany and Harrisburg. Much to discuss today. We'll get to that in a minute. Kevin Williams has that weekend forecast. A lot of us will be shoveling. All of us will be shivering. And at the end of the broadcast today, why the robots really are taking over. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Today, January 13, we remember the Hussites, who, on this day back in 1501, published the first hymnal in history written in the language of the common people. Now, the descendants of the Hussites are known as the Moravian Brethren, who carry on the rich tradition of hymns and church music today. Christians have good reason to commemorate this event. After all, ours, like Judaism, has always been a singing faith. The longest book in the Bible, the one at its center, is the Psalms, a word that means songs. David's plans for the temple included clans of Levites whose entire job was music. 
choir, soloists, orchestras, antiphonal singing. These were all prescribed parts of temple life and practice. An entire class of psalms, in fact, are called the songs of ascent. They were sung by the people as they traveled to Jerusalem for the annual pilgrimage festivals. Throughout the biblical text, music is also connected to prophecy and dealing with evil spirits. Jesus and the apostles sang a hymn after the Last Supper, according to two of the Gospels. The apostle Paul specifically associates singing with being filled with the Spirit in his epistle to the church at Ephesus. And in John's revelation of what is constantly happening around the throne of God all the time, there's lots of singing. Eliminating the musical element from the text of Scripture would be to gut them and the practices that have emerged from them. Monks chanted the Psalms daily, in some cases covering the entire Psalter in a week. In the Reformation, Martin Luther reintroduced congregational singing to the liturgy, an idea that spread throughout all the branches of Protestantism and eventually returned to the Roman Catholic Church. Reformed Christians focused on singing the Psalms and other songs from Scripture, though some also incorporated hymns in their worship. All of this points to a central truth of a Christian worldview, that God loves music. It's a gift from Him. Because music's been so central to church worship and the Christian imagination, the first common language hymnal is a milestone to remember. Also, an opportunity to reflect on how music is serving Christian worship today. Now, I have no desire whatsoever to reignite the so-called worship wars of recent decades. However, Christians should not think of music as a mere decoration to services that are really about teaching and preaching. The essential question we have to ask, even as music styles change and new music is created and incorporated, is this. What's music in worship services for? The Psalms offer essential guidance here. Some are songs of praise, others confessions. The largest category of Psalms are laments. In other words, the Psalms cover the full range of human emotion, bringing the totality of human experience into corporate worship. And yet, the Psalms always direct our attention ultimately to God. Even when talking about the experiences and hardships of the author, they always turn attention outward, upward, from ourself to God. And often, this is done by remembering what God's done and who He has revealed Himself to be. Another consideration of what music is for is that it's for the entire congregation. When music in the church is primarily about the performance of professional musicians, the songs are unsingable to much of the congregation. This is not an issue about style or preference. I thank God for the modern writers of hymns and songs who are really gifted at music and committed to producing music that's true and excellent for the glory of God and the people of God. Just a way of remembering that music is a gift from God himself. It's a unique way of connecting his revealed truth with our hearts and minds. St. Augustine is thought to have said that he who sings prays twice. The church should recover a more robust understanding and practice of music. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, go to colsoncenter.org. Thank you very much, John. Uh, let's take it outside next. Kevin Williams has that weekend forecast. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. The disturbance that has brought our region rain and then snow is the same system that clobbered California earlier in the week, but certainly lacking in that intensity here. Nevertheless, it is drawing colder air into the region now, and a little lake response can be expected. Here's our call for this afternoon. Cloudy. We'll have periods of snow across northwest Pennsylvania, western and central New York, with an additional accumulation ranging from just a fresh coating to a couple three inches in lake effect areas. Through central and eastern Pennsylvania, just a couple of scattered snow and rain showers. Temperatures dropping. We'll spend the late afternoon hours, mostly in the 20s or low 30s, dropping tonight into the mid-teens and mid-20s with some lake flakes. And tomorrow, 
Clouds and sun, some lake flurries for some and cold in the 20s to near 30. Mostly bright and sunny on Sunday. High temperatures, upper 20s to the upper 30s. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. It is Friday, folks, the 13th of January. And this is the Noon Report on Family Life. And welcome back to another edition of Capital Connection. Fridays during the Noon Report, we give you, the listener, direct connection to what's happening in Albany and Harrisburg with the experts on the issues at the state capitals. They are, as always, Jason McGuire with New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms and Michael Gear at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Gentlemen, so much to discuss this week. Lots going on. We'll try to do it in 10 minutes or less. And Jason, I'll start with you. Uh, what do you think were the major headlines from this week's State of the State address in Albany? Well, for anyone who thought that Governor Kathy Hochul was going to tack to the center following the election, she did not appear to do so. Everything that she put forward in the uh, State of the State address was another big government program, whether it was more funding for abortion or a state takeover of local land control, whether or not you can use gas appliances in your home. Everything was a big government approach to common everyday problems. Yeah, the gas stove ban was one that really caught a lot of us uh, off guard. I mean, this it, within this decade, th- this could happen. This isn't science fiction here. Yeah, it just seems tone deaf and, and just ignorant concerning what just happened in Buffalo. That you see the failure of the grid system there during that blizzard to now make people be reliant upon electricity as opposed to other forms of alternative fuels. It just doesn't seem like it makes any sense at all. Yeah. Well, the government dysfunction seems to be alive and well in Harrisburg as well, Michael. To quote one leader, the bonds of trust have been broken. Seems the GOP is having second thoughts about the House Speaker, Mark Rossi, or Mark Rossi, I should say. What's going on here? Well, there's a whole lot more action at the Pennsylvania Farm Show this week than there is at the Pennsylvania State Capitol in terms of actually uh, moving a, an agenda forward. You know, because we have divided government in the House of Representatives, this Mark Rossi, a Democrat, was elected speaker in sort of a last-minute deal. He said that uh, he would become an independent, but then now it looks like he's reneging on that, and so there's action that may see him removed as speaker. But then he also has on his agenda this uh, sex abuse uh, issue, constitutional amendment, but they can't come to an agreement on the rules for the special session. He then locked the chamber, and so there's been no action taking place. We'll come back to that in a minute, but first, Jason, if I had a dollar for every New Yorker that said, what's going on with the gun laws in New York? I'd be a millionaire right now. The U.S. Supreme Court has weighed in on this. Uh, Try to make sense of it, if you would. Yeah, essentially, there was folks that supporting the Second Amendment here in New York went to the Supreme Court asking for an intervention, an emergency action, while the rest of the case is heard. And the Supreme Court of the United States said, no, 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 we're going to let things play out the appeals process before it comes to the Supreme Court. And so uh, Governor Kathy Hochul's gun laws are in effect while these cases proceed. That's not unexpected. I wouldn't be discouraged by what will happen when it eventually gets to the Supreme Court. Uh, it's pretty common for the court to not want to intervene, but it does mean uh, 
uh, when it comes to the Second Amendment rights of, of uh, churches to defend themselves, individuals to carry, will be on hold until it is heard at the Supreme Court. All right, let's get back to Harrisburg and Michael. Uh, Republicans in the Senate have bundled uh, voter ID reforms, which they feel passionately about. With this, as you had mentioned, the Sex Abuse Survivors Amendment, they've bundled that all together. Do you think that is the appropriate way to go about this in trying to get the new voter IDs into law? Well, you know, I mentioned there wasn't a lot going on in the Capitol, but that's not true with what's happening in the Senate with that bundling of those constitutional amendments. That is not an unusual way for them to act. Voter ID is popular in Pennsylvania, and uh, there's a lot of us that would like to see that get on the ballot. Then the sex abuse scandal almost made it to the ballot, but then the Wolf administration, the Secretary of State, failed to advertise it, so that did not go forward. So this does set up a point of contention, though, with the way the Senate wants to do it and whether the House and whether they'll act on it is another question. All right. Hey, Jason, how much trouble is uh, that freshman congressman from downstate New York, George Santos, in? He was one of uh, several downstate that helped Kevin McCarthy get the gavel from Nancy Pelosi. Do you think it's time for him to resign? Yeah, we do. Uh, New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedom has called for the resignation of uh, Representative Santos. He really has built his entire candidacy on, on just lies. He's fabricated everything about his story, and it just does not seem he should hold that office. Now, there's little that can be done. There will be a House ethics investigation, but for now, it's up to Representative Santos as to whether or not he will resign, though the pressure is growing. All right. Michael, this was a story that we reported on last week that kind of flew under the radar, but being a big proponent of school choice, be really interesting to get your thoughts. There's, there's a liberal think tank out there called Education Voters PA. It wants to keep tabs on conservative school boards throughout Pennsylvania. What's their play here? Well, that's an interesting question, Bob, and if we were in a visual sort of setting with a video blog or some kind of TV thing, I could put a flowchart up to show where this education group is coming from. Basically, it starts with the teachers union and the public sector unions that then have a group called Keystone Research Institute that they set up to promote the union agenda and a leftist progressive agenda. Then they form this education voters in PA sort of as a third tier kind of shadow group to keep tabs on parents getting involved in education in school districts all across Pennsylvania. So they're fighting back to keep that progressive agenda going in the schools against what we promote here at Pennsylvania Family Institute, which is parental involvement and watching out for the kids. All right. January 20th is the National March for Life, and it will be here before you know it, Jason. Uh, the first in a post-row America. And uh, I'm wondering if you could explain to our listeners a little bit about how this debate has changed since the Roe decision in New York, and what are the life issues that people should be keeping an eye on in Albany this year? Yeah, I think of the Empire State, what's changed is uh, those who support an unfettered right to abortion recognize that their time is short, and so they are doing everything they can to clamp down and try to enforce this full-blown late-term abortion agenda. Governor Kathy Hochul, in her recent State of the State address, has now also talked about fully funding uh, abortion and expanding the payments of it for people even coming from other states, paying for their flights and other things we've talked about in the past. This is an attempt really just to posture on this issue, and it shows the pro-life movement is winning, though it is going to take time. Michael, your organization was the first in the country to 
host a pro-life march after the decision last June. You did that in the fall, one of the largest uh, rallies ever in Harrisburg. But there are fights to be fought in your state as well, especially given a new administration coming in. What are some of the life issues we need to be keeping an eye on this year? Well, it's a challenging environment, to, to say the least, with Josh Shapiro coming in. He said in his campaign that he supports Pennsylvania's Abortion Control Act, but then out of the other side of his mouth, he said that he wants expanded uh, opportunities for people to access abortion. So in some ways, it's going to be a defensive fight to stop the Shapiro administration and the Democrats in the House of Representatives from advancing a abortion right up until birth agenda, which the Democrats seem to support here in Pennsylvania. And then we want to coalesce with those who are pro-life to look at some agenda items about how we can advance both protection for pregnancy resource centers uh, to protect unborn life. All right. And finally, guys, we want to talk about the power of prayer. And uh, what else can you say about the DeMar Hamlin story? Jason is a lifelong Bills fan. What's your takeaway from this uh, tragedy turned triumph sort of story that transcends sports? Well, you know, it's heartening to see uh, America recognize uh, the power of prayer again. So often you hear thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers every time there's some kind of a tragedy. This time the thought stopped and America's hearts just turned to prayer. And I thought that was encouraging. Uh, You know, we have seen people have so many conversations about how God was moving in this situation. And that's not to take anything away or downplay what happened medically on that field. And that was remarkable. But as the great physician who ultimately has given us even that medical knowledge, we see that in the times of crisis, people do turn to prayer. Yeah, and Mike, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, from coast to coast, football stadiums were turned into giant prayer meetings in the NFL, and even ESPN, guys stopped mid-sentence and prayed aloud. ESPN could not believe it. What's yeah. your takeaway from this story? Well, it's interesting, because I saw a Facebook post this week from uh, Coach Joe Kennedy, who won that case in the United States Supreme Court, who was fired from his job for praying at the 50-yard line silently by himself. I think Americans are going to take a another look at uh, what Coach Kennedy did and say, hey, you know what? We should be praying because prayer does make a difference. The power of prayer. I know, Jason, you're going to be praying for a big Bills win this weekend uh, on their way, hopefully, to the Super Bowl. We'll see. But, hey, so much to talk about. If folks have questions about any of the issues we discussed today or they want to just know, hey, what is New Yorkers for constitutional freedom? Why do you exist? Jason McGuire, what's your website? AlbanyUpdate.com. Stay informed on all the issues in Pennsylvania. Headed to the March for Life. There's information on your website, Michael. What is that? PAFamily.org. gentlemen thank you very much capital connection the name of the program comes your way every friday during the noon report or online anytime at familylife.org just look for the news icon on the podcast page good afternoon here is your family life regional weather forecast the disturbance that has brought our region rain and then snow is the same system that clobbered california earlier in the week but certainly lacking in that intensity here nevertheless it is drawing colder air into the region now and a little lake response can be expected here's our call for this afternoon cloudy we'll have periods of snow across northwest pennsylvania western and central new york with an additional accumulation ranging from just a fresh coating to a couple three inches in lake effect areas through central and eastern pennsylvania just a couple of scattered snow and rain showers temperatures dropping we'll spend the late afternoon hours mostly in the 20s or low 30s dropping tonight into the mid-teens and mid-20s with some lake flakes and tomorrow 
clouds and sun, some lake flurries for some and cold in the 20s to near 30. Mostly bright and sunny on Sunday. High temperatures, upper 20s to the upper 30s. All right, Kevin, have a wonderful weekend. Finally, from us at noon today, the robots seem to be really taking over here. Next month, a robot lawyer will represent a human defendant in court. This is the first time the AI will be used in a physical courtroom. The AI will be whispering in someone's ear during a speeding ticket hearing exactly what to say. How about that? It's the brainchild of Joshua Browder, whose artificial intelligence is designed to help clients get out of police citations. We're giving it to them for free, and we're even offering to pay their speeding ticket if they lose. Obviously, lawyers, the real life kind, are not thrilled about this. Yeah, lawyers are saying I should be in jail. Um, They're very angry because their profession is threatened, but we found two areas where the court rules don't explicitly uh, forbid AI and technology and electronic devices. It was a struggle finding uh, courtrooms where this would be allowed, but we found two. That guy kind of sounds like a robot, doesn't he? The robots have infiltrated not just the courtroom, but the ball field as well. This year, all AAA baseball games will use robots to call balls and strikes. Yeah, the robots are taking over. That's the world we live in. Friday the 13th of January. I'm Bob Price. Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.